You're listening to Satterfield on Sports, your source for in-depth commentary on the whole wide world of sports. From Major League Baseball to the National Football League to the English Premier League and beyond. Here's your host, Kyle Satterfield. Welcome back to Satterfield on Sports. Welcome back to the English Premier League. And hopefully, welcome back to a genuine title race. After the last two seasons produced a runaway winner, Liverpool in 2019-20 and Manchester City in 2020-21. New season kicks off next week. Here we go. And I will begin with the reigning champions, Man City, the gold standard in this league for the last decade. Ever since Sergio Aguero scored that goal, that iconic goal in second half stoppage time, final day of the season to beat QPR in 2012 and delivers City their first ever Premier League title. And at the time, their first top flight title in more than four decades. Ever since that moment, City have been the dominant force in this league. Five titles in the past 10 seasons and three in the past four under Pep Guardiola. But as City enter the 21-22 campaign, the burning question facing this club is not can they retain their Premier League crown. It is actually can they finally clear that European hurdle and win Champions League. They have been one of the better sides in that competition for the past decade. They managed to reach the final of the Champions League last season back in May of this year, but were beaten 1-0 by Premier League rivals Chelsea. And so for City, the search goes on and on for that elusive European title. That is where much of the focus of this football club and much of the focus of the fan base is. But for the purpose of this podcast episode, I want to remain focused on the Premier League and the question of whether or not City can repeat as champions. Can they win a fourth Premier League title in the last five seasons? In 2020-21, as I discussed on this podcast when they clinched the title a few months ago, it was a balanced scoring attack. Much was made about the fact They lacked a true striker for much of the season. Sergio Aguero was injured. He has now left. Aguero will play alongside Lionel Messi at Barcelona in the upcoming season. But that proved to not be a problem for City. Goal scoring, so balanced. Ilkay Gundogan scored 13, Raheem Sterling 10, and then Phil Foden, Gabriel Jesus, and Riyad Mahrez each chipped in nine Goals were not an issue. They scored 83, 10 more than any other side in the league. And defensively, they were so stout. That center-back partnership of John Stones and Ruben Diaz. And then Ederson in goal, he won the Golden Gloves Award with 19 clean sheets. Math is not my strong suit, but 19 clean sheets, 38 league games, that's 50%. So in one half of their games last season, City did not concede a single goal. That is a recipe for success, and it was for City in 2020-21. So City will enter the new campaign 
with an elite roster. They are the favorites as it stands on paper. But they are not done adding. They are currently looking to add two of the very best players in this league, Harry Kane and Jack Grealish. This has already been a wild transfer window. Rumors are flying. Reports are changing by the day, the hour, the minute. As I record this episode on the afternoon of Tuesday, August 3rd, here is where it stands as far as I can determine. Conflicting reports, changing constantly, but Harry Kane right now is refusing to practice with Tottenham Hotspur. He is sitting out of preseason training. The report this morning was he is venting his frustrations behind the scenes. He wants to move, preferably to City. Spurs do not want to sell him, especially not to a league rival, to the team that's already the best in the league. But then the report emerged that as he's venting behind the scenes, he will then as it stands now, return to practice later this week. So who knows what happens next? But Harry Kane wants to leave. Spurs do not want him to leave. And he has only played three seasons of a six-year contract. So Spurs are under no legal obligation, no contractual obligation to move their great striker, one of the very best players in the history of that football club. But the offer is there for reportedly 130 million pounds. City are prepared to splash some serious cash to land Harry Kane. They are also deep in negotiations with Aston Villa to possibly land Jack Grealish. Now, this is even more interesting because three days ago, I was prepared to hop on this microphone today and already be analyzing Jack Grealish in the city side. This looked like a done deal last weekend. But the latest reports are Grealish may not want to join City. He may want to stay with Aston Villa. The offer is on the table, 100 million pounds by City. Villa are willing to sell him to City, but they also have a contract on the table and extension for Grealish. So here is Jack Grealish, who can either sign the extension with Villa or join City. I believe one of these two moves will happen with how much money is being offered by City. They will most likely acquire one of these two players. If they somehow acquire both, and reportedly they would be willing to spend the 230 million pounds needed to make that happen. If they acquire both of these stars, there may be no catching City no matter what the other contenders do. To add some color to this conversation, to illustrate how good these players are, Harry Kane has 166 career goals in this league. Last season for Spurs, 23 goals and 14 assists in 35 games, better than one goal involvement per game. And I'm not sure what's more impressive, the 23 goals or the 14 assists for a striker to have that many assists is truly extraordinary, and Harry Kane is an extraordinary player. Jack Grealish, six goals and 10 assists in 26 games for Villa last season. He is the most was the most fouled player in the league last season. And so one can imagine, 
if City are able to acquire Grealish and put him in the same midfield with world-class Kevin De Bruyne, Grealish draws a foul on the edge of the penalty area. De Bruyne steps up, bangs in a free kick from 22 yards away, and City are off and running. That would be one of about 100 different ways this City side could beat the opposition. They are already a nightmare to play against, and Harry Kane and Jack Grealish remain real possibilities to be added to the champions. So there sit Man City, top of the table, and when they walked off the field on the final day of the season back in May, they were 12 points better than second place Manchester United. That is the gap staring the Red Devils in the face, and they have been proactive about closing that gap. While City are being rumored to be on the verge of one or two marquee acquisitions, Man U have already done their business, acquiring not one but two excellent players in this summer transfer window. First, Jaden Sancho. Second, Rafael Varane. Sancho, he is the prodigal son, born and raised in London and then left England for Germany, has played the last four seasons with Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. He left England a raw but talented kid. He returns an established professional and established star on the global stage. His production, specifically the past three seasons at Borussia Dortmund, outstanding. In 2018-19, 12 goals and 14 assists in 34 games. In 2019-20, 17 goals and 16 assists in 32 games. That was his best season And then last season, eight goals and 11 assists in 26 games. Has a lethal combination of speed and skill, impossible to defend one-on-one. A great goal scorer is also so skilled at creating scoring chances for his teammates. He is a complete player, great left-wing player, and a great addition to this United side. The second player, Rafael Varane, World-class center back from Real Madrid. He has won everything in Madrid. He has won multiple La Liga titles, multiple Champions League titles, and he also won the World Cup with France in 2018. He is a serial winner, as they say, and he will form a center back partnership with Harry Maguire. And if you watch the Euros earlier this summer, Maguire was a key reason England only allowed one goal from open play in the entire tournament. So Maguire and Varane in the center of that defense, and they have good fullbacks. Luke Shaw played the best soccer of his career at the European Championship earlier this summer, and that included him scoring the opening goal very early in that final against Italy. On the other side, the other fullback is Aaron Wan-Bissaka, acquired from Crystal Palace a few transfer windows ago. He is very capable. That is an excellent back for Shaw, Wan-Bissaka, Maguire, and now Varane. That is a back four that is good enough to win this league. And ahead of that back four, there are so many goal scorers, so many excellent players. The engine in the midfield is Bruno Fernandez. He was acquired in the 2019-20 winter transfer window, so just over a year and a half ago. And talk about an immediate impact 
eight goals and seven assists in 14 matches after being acquired in that window. That was just the second half of that 1920 season. And then last season, 18 goals and 12 assists in 37 games. He is the spark for this United side. And ahead of him, so many goal-scoring options. Marcus Rashford scored 11 goals in 37 games. Edinson Cavani, the Uruguayan international, 10 in 26 games. Mason Greenwood, 7 in 31. Anthony Martial is interesting. He scored 17 in 2019-20, but only scored four last season. But that is a wealth of goal-scoring options This is a very, very good side. They also, as of this moment, have Paul Pogba in the midfield, but the French international may be on his way to PSG. There are reports linking him to the French champions. This is a very, very good side. It is a side that with those two additions could conceivably close that gap of 12 points. Now, if Grealish and or Kane go to City, that gap becomes more difficult to overcome. It becomes, in reality, more than 12 points. But again, as of right now, United have made their moves. Their two acquisitions are already in the club, in training with their teammates, learning the system. For City, the haggling, the negotiation is going on. Grealish continuing to train with Villa Kane sitting out of training with Spurs, but neither are in the city side yet. United have done their business and they have done it early. And all of this is under the direction of Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer, the Man United manager. When he was hired two and a half years ago to replace Jose Mourinho, he was viewed by most, including myself, as nothing more than a caretaker manager as someone who would steady the ship for a few months before a more experienced manager could be found to lead the Red Devils. At the time of his hiring, Solskjaer's resume could have fit on a post-it note. He had almost no managerial experience. But in two and a half years on the job, he has been quite capable of leading this side from mid-table mediocrity. That is where they were at the end of the Jose Mourinho era. And now they enter this season as legitimate title contenders. They were second place last season. They reached the final of the Europa League, so close to winning the first trophy in the Solskjaer era. That is the next order of business, to win a trophy. They are in the title race in the league. They are back in Champions League. They will have chances to win some silverware. As a player, this was not a problem for Solskjaer. He is a Manchester United legend. He scored the winning goal in second half stoppage time as a substitute in the 1999 Champions League final, and that completed the famous treble for Man U as they won the Premier League, the FA Cup, and Champions League all in that 98-99 season. Now can Solskjaer do for United what he did as a player, can you now do that as a manager? There is measurable progress that has already happened, and those two new acquisitions give Solskjaer a roster that can win the league. City remain favorites, 
but United are not that far behind. Now, the third place side from last season, they have become the forgotten team in this league, Liverpool. They finished third last season. Now, they won the league just over a calendar year ago. COVID pushed back the end of the 1920 season, and so Liverpool won the title last July, just over a year ago. They are not that far removed from being the champions of this league. And their primary problem last season was injuries. Now they had several star players suffer a drop in form. That certainly happened. But the injuries ravaged this roster. It got so bad that Jordan Henderson, midfielder and the captain for Liverpool, was playing multiple games at center back, way out of position. The most significant injury was to Virgil van Dijk, the Liverpool center back, world-class, arguably their most valuable player in that 2019-20 title-winning season. He blew out his knee early last season in a collision with Everton goalkeeper Jordan Pickford in a Merseyside derby. And at that moment, even though Liverpool fans would not have wanted to admit it, their hopes of a successful title defense were over. Virgil van Dijk is an irreplaceable part of this Liverpool side, but he is back, he is healthy, and all of those star players who delivered Liverpool their first ever league title, Premier League title, I should specify, they won plenty of leagues before the Premier League era, their first ever Premier League title last summer. The stars are all there. Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, Sadio Mane, Jordan Henderson, Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andrew Robertson. The only significant departure, Jeannie Wijnaldum, the Netherlands international, has left for PSG already this summer. But Jurgen Klopp has the personnel back in place to make another run at the title. Do not overlook Liverpool. Fourth place last season, and this speaks the depth of this league, the fourth place side in the Premier League became champions of Europe. Chelsea, champions of Champions League, as they beat City in that 1-0 final back in May. Tomas Tuchel, the new manager, arrived partway through last season, replaced club legend Frank Lampard, legend as a player, not as a manager. That was a failed stint for Lampard in the managerial role for Tuchel. It has been a roaring success, and he has yet to even manage an entire season at Chelsea. From mid-table to finishing fourth, They reached the FA Cup final, lost to Leicester, reached the Champions League final, and beat Manchester City. And they have their players in place. They have their team in place, the team that conquered the continent only a few months ago. N'Golo Conte, man of the match in the Champions League final, the best defensive midfielder in the world. He is there. For Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, they were two key acquisitions last summer. They will now have a full season under the direction of Tuchel, and that can only help, especially Werner, who really struggled in his first season in the Premier League after being a prolific goal scorer in the Bundesliga. And Havertz, despite some struggles, he scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. Chelsea also have Mason Mount, a Chelsea Academy graduate 
He has the makings of a club icon, so good, so young, six goals and five assists in 2021. He is only 22 years of age, and it is not possible for me to mention Chelsea without also mentioning Christian Pulisic, Captain America, one of the greatest American soccer exports ever, and he's only a kid. He almost scored a goal in that Champions League final, and he had a great summer. For the United States of America, he scored the winning goal against Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final back in June. And on this side of the world, the U.S. and Mexico is the best soccer rivalry on our continent. And the U.S. beat Mexico in the Nations League final in large part because of that goal from the penalty spot by Christian Pulisic in second half stoppage time. And then playing a team of mostly younger kids, allowing the regulars to rest up for World Cup qualifying this fall. The U.S. beat Mexico again in the Gold Cup final just a couple of days ago. So a great summer for Pulisic and a great summer for American soccer. Looking forward to watching more success from Pulisic in the Premier League with Chelsea. Now, they are not done. Their ownership group has made it very clear they are willing and able to splash more cash. They made so many signings last summer. They've yet to make a significant signing here. They have their eyes on Romelu Lukaku of Inter Milan in Italy. Lukaku played for Man United only a few years ago in the Premier League. Chelsea offered 100 million pounds, were rejected in that offer but they may offer more. They really want Lukaku on this roster. So expect Chelsea to make a significant ad at some time between now and the close of the window. And keep in mind, even though the season in the Premier League begins next week, mid-August, that window does not close until the end of the month. So a move can happen after the season has already started. So City, Man U, Liverpool, Chelsea. That was the top four in 2021. But Leicester City, my club, for the second consecutive year, despite spending most of the season in the top four, finished just on the outside looking in in fifth place. This is a quality, quality side, and they have played their way into this title conversation. They remain a dark horse candidate. They are certainly of the five teams I'm mentioning here, the least likely to lift the trophy at the end of the season. But they must be mentioned here, not just because I support them and it's my podcast, but they have earned their way into this conversation, winning the Premier League, the 5,000 to one miracle five years ago, and then winning the FA Cup last season back in May of this year, and also goes back-to-back fifth place finishes Brendan Rodgers has built a really good side in his last few years on the job. But Rodgers is trying to shake a reputation of his that his clubs collapse down the stretch. This began back in 2014 when his Liverpool side quite literally let the title slip away from them in the last few weeks of the season. The infamous Steven Gerrard slip that gift-wrapped a goal for Chelsea And then the next game, Liverpool were 3-0 up against Crystal Palace and dropped two points in a 3-3 draw. And those two games cost Liverpool the title that was in their grasp with only a few weeks remaining in the campaign. 
That failure has haunted Brendan Rodgers ever since. And now in back-to-back seasons, going from inside the top four to just outside of it at the very end, that reputation of his teams not being able to close the deal, that reputation continues to follow him. But the last two seasons, to be harsh on Rodgers and to put that in the same conversation as 2014 and Liverpool lacks some nuance. And the nuance is rather straightforward. Liverpool have far more resources than Leicester. Leicester, although they have an ownership group that is spending more and more, they just built a new world-class training facility. They're certainly on the rise. They don't have the financial resources of City or United or Liverpool or Chelsea. And so what has happened in the past two seasons, they have been hit hard by injuries late in the season. And because they don't have those resources, they don't have the depth to overcome those injuries. Even for Liverpool, the injuries were a real problem as they dropped from first to third. For Leicester, injuries down the stretch, dropping them from third or fourth to fifth. But they are back and they have a roster that, again, is highly, highly competitive. But they're entering what may be something of a transition phase because Jamie Vardy, My favorite player, Leicester legend, this man will have a statue outside the King Power Stadium at some point in the near future. Has more than 100 Premier League goals. He won the Golden Boot in 2019-20 with 23 goals. Last season, he dropped from 23 goals to 15. But that's only part of the story. There was a stretch from about the middle of the season to almost the end wherein he only scored two goals in 20 league games, a drought entirely out of character for Jamie Vardy, who has been a high-volume scorer in this league since he arrived with Leicester when they were promoted up from the championship going into that 2014-15 season. But with Vardy experiencing a significant drop in form, Kelechi Iheanacho, the Nigerian international, was there to pick up the slack. He scored 12 goals in 25 games, and many of those goals were scored in that stretch of 20 when Vardy was only scoring two goals for what seemed like four or five months. He was just not scoring, but there was Iheanacho scoring so many important goals for this club. And then in midfield, Yuri Tielemans, six goals and four assists last season. And he scored that sensational goal, that strike from 30 yards away to win the FA Cup, one of the more famous goals in the history of Leicester City Football Club. There is James Madison. He scored eight goals, added five assists. Wilfred Ndidi is a very good defensive midfielder. Not on the level of Conte, who was, of course, with Leicester, when they won the league five years ago. But indeed, he is very, very good. Now, as I was preparing to record this podcast, in fact, as I was turning on the microphone, a bit of news came across. Arsenal are very interested in James Madison, but Leicester have established a price tag of 60 million pounds, and Leicester do not budge. They don't negotiate. Leicester have been so good for the last several years, they will set a price tag on one of their players, If the price tag is met, they will sell that player and then immediately find a comparable replacement. 
If the price tag is not met, they will not sell. They do not negotiate. There are so many examples of this. A few summers ago, they sold Harry Maguire to Man U after United spent weeks trying to haggle the price down. Nope, it is staying right where it's at. And at the point of that sale, that was the most money ever paid for a defender in the history of world football. And then Leicester immediately turned around and found Kaglar Soyuncu, this kid from Turkey, who became one of the best center backs in the league right away. And he is there with Johnny Evans. They currently are one of the very best center back partnerships in this league. The other example was last summer, Leicester sold Ben Shilwell to Chelsea after Chelsea had tried to acquire him in the previous transfer window. But again, Leicester refused to budge. They sold Chilwell and then immediately found not one, but two good left backs to replace him, James Justin and Timothy Castagne. James Justin is a name to remember. He was very good for Leicester, but then hurt his knee just past the midway point of the season. He'll be back here in 21-22. He is very, very good, both going forward in attack and back in defense, a very good young fullback. Leicester are loaded with young talent. They are so well run. Their football operations department is the envy of the Premier League. And of course, Behind all of that is Casper Schmeichel. I spoke at length about Schmeichel in an earlier episode when I was talking about the Christian Eriksen situation at the Euros. He suffered that cardiac arrest, nearly died on the field. Schmeichel was there as a leader in that moment in the days and weeks that followed, rallying his team, rallying his country. And Denmark got all the way to the semifinal of the Euros And this is nothing new for Schmeichel. He was on the scene that horrible night three years ago when the owner of Leicester died in a helicopter crash just outside the King Power Stadium in Leicester. Schmeichel was on the scene trying to pull people out of that helicopter and was a hero and a leader throughout that entire episode for Leicester. Casper Schmeichel is everything you want in a leader on a team. But like Vardy, he's nearing the end of his professional career. He's well over 30 out of his prime. And so the time is quick approaching when Vardy and Schmeichel will leave this football club. It'll be heartbreaking, but they have already authored one of the greatest stories in sports history. From the championship up to the Premier League for 2014-15, the great escape at the end of that season to stay up, the 5,000-1 miracle, and now an FA Cup victory on top of that. It is one of the great fairy tale stories in all of sports. In just the last 12 years, Leicester City have won League One, the Championship, the Premier League, and the FA Cup. They have won the top three divisions of the English game in just the last 12 years, toss in an FA Cup. They also reached the Champions League quarterfinals four years ago. There is just no point of comparison. This story stands alone in the history of soccer. Leicester City are, again, in the mix. The fifth place side from a year ago, certainly worthy of inclusion in this conversation of the 21-22 title race. So there you have it. There is the race as it looks entering the season. City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Leicester. Now what I want to do before closing out this episode, I want to take a quick look at the early season schedules for all five clubs in an attempt 
to possibly project what this title race will look like one, two months into the season. And there are some very interesting fixtures early in the campaign. I will lead off with City, the champions. This is a highly treacherous opening seven games. They play Spurs away in week one. So that could either be Harry Kane's first game with his new club back in his old stadium against his old club. Or it could be Kane playing for Spurs, having not yet been transferred, and all the rumors floating as he's playing against a team that he wants to join and may soon be joining. What storylines? That's the opening Sunday of the season. Then City play Norwich, newly promoted Norwich, at home, and then Arsenal at home. Arsenal are a disaster, languishing mid-table, showing no signs of being anywhere near the top four. So that's an interesting but not overwhelming opening three matches. But then after the international break, this becomes almost unfair. But ask any fan outside of a City fan, and they are shedding no tears for City having to go through this gauntlet. And it is a gauntlet. In a four-week span, match weeks four through seven, they have to play three of the other four title contenders all away from home. Leicester away, Chelsea away, Liverpool away. They catch a brief reprieve with Southampton at home in between Leicester and Chelsea. So Leicester, Southampton, and then in back-to-back weeks, they have to go to Stamford Bridge and to Anfield to play Chelsea and Liverpool respectively. That is a brutal stretch. So it is highly likely that City drop many points early in this season. And that becomes important when you look at second place United and their opening seven games because they will be heavy, heavy favorites in all seven. They can really bank points early in this season and put significant pressure on City at the top of the table. For Man U, here are their opening seven games. Leeds at home, Southampton away, Wolves away, Newcastle at home, West Ham away, Aston Villa at home, and Everton at home. They will be heavy favorites, I would say, in six of those. Now, West Ham away, they will only be slight favorites. West Ham finished sixth last season, and they'll be in the London Stadium on their home turf. But United will be favored in all seven. They could easily bank 18, 19, perhaps all 21 points right out of the gate. And this is why it was so important for them to make those two moves early in the summer. Grab Sancho, grab Varane, have those guys in the side, acclimated with the football club, acclimated with the system under Solskjaer, and be ready to hit the ground running so they can rip through those first seven matches. And while City are going through that gauntlet of Leicester and Chelsea and Liverpool all the way in a four-week span, United can really bank the points early. Now, Liverpool also have a relatively easy start to the season. Now, it includes a marquee match early. Their first two, though, are about as easy as you can possibly ask for. Norwich away and Burnley at home. Those are two sides that'll be in or near the relegation zone all season long. Then in match week three, Liverpool invite Chelsea to Anfield. That is the first 
massive fixture on the Premier League schedule for this season. The Reds and the Blues at Anfield, match week three going into the international break. So the result of that game will dominate headlines for two weeks before the next league game. Then out of the break, three more really easy. Now I say easy, understand me, in this league, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. But Liverpool have Leeds away, Palace at home, and newly promoted Brentford away. Those are three matches they should win. Leeds are dangerous, though. First season backup was last season, mid-table. They can score goals. Marcelo Bielsa, their manager, very accomplished, has a good system in place. But Liverpool will be favored in all three of those. So it is very possible that Liverpool, for the first six match weeks, have six wins, have 18 points from a possible 18. And then they bring Man City to Anfield in match week seven before going Watford away and then Man U away. So that's a really tough two out of three stretch with Watford sandwiched in between. And that just screams trap game. Liverpool have City, the champions in their building. And then Watford, easy to overlook because they have to go to Old Trafford the next week. That's a very tricky stretch. But it is very possible that Liverpool have 18 points from 18 before they welcome in Man City for what could be not a title decider, but certainly a game with an outsized impact on the title race. Then Chelsea, their early stretch, Crystal Palace at home, Arsenal away, and then the showdown with Liverpool at Anfield. Out of the break, Villa at home, and then Spurs away, and then City at home. So Chelsea play two of the other challengers inside the opening six weeks. Leicester have a chance to make some noise early. They play two of the challengers in the opening seven weeks, but both at home, City and United. Here is how it shapes up for the Foxes. Wolves at home, West Ham away, Norwich away. They'll be favored in all three of those. Then out of the break, there's the showdown with City at home, but then Brighton away, Burnley home, Palace away. They'll be favored in all three of those before they bring the Red Devils to King Power Stadium. That's compelling for Leicester to get off to a really good start. Seven matches, five in which they're favored, and the two in which they'll be an underdog, they'll be at home with the home fans there in support. Leicester could get off to a very nice start and put even more pressure on that top four. This should be all kinds of fun. It always is. Fans will be back in the grounds after being away for most of the last 18 months. A few were allowed inside late last season, but reduced capacity. We will have the, the full Premier League experience again. Loud crowds, chanting, screaming, singing. Cannot wait. Here are the storylines to look out for, though, as I close out this episode. It is very possible that Liverpool win their first six matches. But just look at those first three. Again, Liverpool are being overlooked, I believe, in this title race. And, and understandably so. City are the better team on paper. Man U, probably better on paper. Liverpool stumbled, but they're healthy again. They're back. And if they win those first three, punctuated by a victory over Chelsea, the European champions at a raucous Anfield going into the international break. Just prepare yourself for all the headlines. Liverpool are back. Liverpool are back. 
And if they win the next three coming out of the break, they're really back. And then that showdown with Man City just passed right about two months into the season. So Liverpool getting off to a hot start, that could be an early headline. United have that really manageable schedule. City could stumble. This title race is going to be a roller coaster right from the start. Cannot wait. We're a week and a half away. We'll be back throughout the season offering more reaction and analysis to what should be a highly entertaining Premier League season. But there's the title race. City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and again, those Foxes not going away. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Satterfield on Sports. As always, I am your host, Kyle Satterfield, saying so long and goodbye.